19, Luke chapter 19, verse 28. Luke 19, 28. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 19, verse 28, after Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem, and as he approached Bethpage and Bethany, at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find the colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And if, if anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Tell them, The Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner asked, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. How many know the Lord wants to use us? Amen? Doesn't matter if we're a donkey or not. Turn to your neighbor and say, You're just a donkey, but God wants to use you. And they brought it to Jesus, and they threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. And he went along. People spread their cloaks on the road. And when he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices with all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. And as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. He wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. This is Palm Sunday, and, and to the Christian, this is one of the most exciting times of the year. To the Christian, as we approach the Passover, as we approach the death of Christ, as, as we approached Easter, it's, a, it's an, an exciting time of the year, and to the Jew as well, as we find that this is the beginning of the Passion Week. There's no other week in the time of the year that has so much passion, so much drama, so much potential, so much anticipation, and so much glory than this week. And, and I want to remind you that on Good Friday, we're going to be meeting at 730, and we're going to have a, a traditional time as we gather around the Lord's table, and we take communion, and we celebrate the death of Christ. But it all starts with this one act of Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. And this triumphant entry took place on the Passover week. This is really important. Because God knew exactly what he was doing when he was actually sending the Messiah at the same time that the Jews were waiting for the Messiah. Now they were waiting for a conquering Messiah and Jesus comes as a humble Savior and servant of the Lord. Now, to the Jews, they were anticipating some, some outbreaks of, of violence during that time. Why? Because there was always someone that was a zealot. It was a Jewish zealot who would rise up and try to get a mob together to, to cause a disturbance in Jerusalem. J Jerusalem is a very controversial place. It's still to this day a very controversial place. And we, we need to pray for the people of, of Israel. We need to pray for the Jewish nation because God is going to culminate his plan in Jerusalem. Somebody say amen. It's the holy city of God and God's plan is going to culminate in Jerusalem. It's always been a hostile place. It's always been a place of controversy. And the Romans, they hated this week. Why? Because they had to do a whole lot of overtime and they didn't get paid for overtime back then. There was no union. And so the Roman soldiers had to put in a lot of overtime and they had to be on their, their best behavior because there were times when they really wanted to let loose and, 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 and do something bad because they couldn't stand the Jews and the Jews couldn't stand the Romans because they were in Roman-occupied territory and they were waiting for the Messiah to come. 
And this was an incredible time in Jerusalem. There was probably over 2.5 million people that would come into the holy city. They'd come from all over the place to celebrate the Passover. Not only Jews, but even Gentiles would come into Jerusalem. And it was a perfect time. I would say it was the perfect storm in the sense that everything was in place for something to erupt, some kind of a disturbance or even some kind of a situation where God would get the people's attention. This was the perfect storm ready to erupt and come what may, it would bring change to Jerusalem forever. And the people were ready to embrace change. They were ready to embrace a conquering Messiah. And the truth is, just like so many countries of the world, we can see that when the people are getting ready, they're anticipating a change for the better. They get all riled up. And so there's thousands and thousands of people in the streets of Jerusalem. And right here, right then, Jesus decides he's going to make his entry into Jerusalem. And people are thinking he could be the Messiah. Why? Because after all, he raised the dead. He healed the sick. He provided for the poor. I mean, listen, that's a good Messiah. When the Messiah, he, he, he breaks bread and he multiplies the bread. And 25 plus thousand people, children, women, and men are fed that day. They're thinking, this is good. This is social change. And he loves the poor. So they're thinking he's a mighty man of God. He raises the dead. He speaks with incredible authority. And he takes care of the poor. He's got to be the Messiah. He's got to be the long-awaited king that's coming. And like wildfire, it spreads. Jesus of Nazareth is now coming into Jerusalem. But the people are thinking that he's going to come on a stallion. Why? Because in those days when you were at war, the king would come into a city on a stallion. But he doesn't come on a stallion. He comes on a donkey. Now listen to me. God always works in ways that we cannot understand. And for some of them, it caused them to get very angry. Why? Because they were looking for a reigning Messiah. They were looking for a mighty king on a stallion and yet he comes on a colt he comes on a donkey and as a result of that he actually dazzles people in the sense that some of them are like what in the world is going on but the bible says some of his disciples in anticipation of him bringing peace he's making a statement that he wants to bring peace some of his disciples get it in some way and they begin to praise the lord at least for that moment they were praising the Lord. At least for that moment, they were excited about the Messiah. And they start to scream out, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And the term Hosanna in the Greek is save us now. And so we're hearing these people saying, save us now, save us now. A big crowd of people, stand up, everybody stand up in this place. All right, could you imagine for a moment, hundreds of people saying, save us now. Come on, everybody, save us now, save us now, save us now, save us now. Wow, that's quite and really anticipating what God's going to do. You can be seated. But it's also a, an intimidating sight when you see not a couple of hundred people, but thousands of people people saying save us now save us now it looks like a revolt is going to happen the roman guards stand and they know something's going to happen and the bible says that the people take their palm branches and they're not just little palm branches i want you to take this home because you're going to remember this sermon for the rest of your life and they take their palm branches and they lay it at the feet of Jesus. And they take their garments off and they lay it at the feet of Jesus. And you would have thought that Jesus would have been really excited about this. That's his moment, his time. Now listen, if I had a whole bunch of people hailing me saying, Blessed is he who comes in the name of Malazzo, I would have been like this. You're going to take a picture, get my better side. Yet I believe with all my heart that Jesus didn't even look up at the crowd. That Jesus was intent, the Bible says, he was intent on getting to Jerusalem. 
And I believe that as they were crying out, as they were screaming, as they were dancing in the street, and they were saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, he began to weep. I believe he was moved, so deeply moved. Why? Because the Bible says that as he approached Jerusalem and he looked over the city, he began to weep. He began to weep over the city. And he makes this statement. He says, if you would have only known who came to you, if you would have only known that I could have given you peace but you missed your opportunity now I want you to know Palm Sunday is a beautiful day and we usually come and we're ready to celebrate the Redeemer the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and I think you can get a whole lot of sermons out of Palm Sunday. You can talk about the donkey, how God wants to use donkeys, ordinary people. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, you're a donkey. Don't use the other word. And say, you're a donkey, but God wants to use you. And I think of the garments, how we need to take off our garments, the garments of pride and selfishness, and lay it at the feet of Jesus. And we need to say, Jesus, everything that I am and everything that I hope to be, Lord, I lay it at your feet, Lord, because you are king, you are master, you are Lord. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. But today, I'm not going to talk about praising the Lord. I'm not talking about that Jesus said that if you keep quiet, the stones are going to praise me. If you keep quiet, the stones are going to cry out. What I want to talk to you about today is missed opportunity. Because I believe that this sermon is really, and this story is really about missed opportunity. You see, I believe that God always gives everyone an opportunity. God's going to give you all kinds of opportunities in your life. Because God is a God of the second chance. God is a God of the third chance. God is a God of a God-sized opportunity. And I want you to know that God knows the plans that he has for your life. He knows the purpose of your life. And we serve a great God. We serve a mighty God. And that God wants to give every one of us a God-sized opportunity to do something great in our life. Somebody say amen. And I want to focus on verse 41 because verse 41 tells me that something went wrong. Verse 41 says that God's heart was broken. Jesus Christ in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us so that we might have peace. The Bible says that when Jesus was born, the angels cried out, peace on earth and goodwill to all men. And so here is the Prince of Peace riding on a colt, and he comes into Jerusalem, and he weeps before the people because he knew that they missed it. They missed their opportunity. They missed their divine moment where God was going to come and intervene in their life, and he cries out, and he says, oh, but if you would have known, if you would have known the opportunity that was before you, Something totally different could have come in your life. Something new and absolutely promising. Something that was going to lead you into a life of purpose and meaning. Jesus did start a revolution. But it was a different kind of revolution. You wouldn't be here today. Jesus has conquered the world. Let me say that again. Jesus has conquered the world. He did not conquer with a sword. He conquered with his love. Come on, somebody say amen. How deep is the love of God? How wide is the love of God? How high is the love of God? How long is the love of God that we cannot even comprehend how God sent his only begotten son into the world because he loved the world so much and he has conquered the world not by the sword but by his love. But it was that moment, it was their opportunity, and they missed it. And my friend, the story of Palm Sunday is about missed opportunity. Jesus wept, Jesus cried out, and he said, Oh, Jerusalem, how I would have loved you. How I would have taken care of you. How I would have saved you from your misery. How I would have given you a hope and a future, but you missed it. And see, my friend, I want you to know that life all around us is made up of opportunities. Minute by minute, moment by moment, God places before us God-sized, Spirit-led opportunities in our life. Life is filled with those moments when God says, today is the day that you were to seize your opportunity. 
Today is the day that you're to walk into the promised land of my promises in your life. Today is the day that you can experience the power of God in your life. Today is the day that you can experience healing in your life. Today is the day that the chains can be broken in your life. Today is the day that God can call you into the ministry. Today is the day that God can restore your marriage. Today is the day that God can change your entire life. Some of you in this room, you know what I'm talking about because one day God came and visited your life. One day God came and called you and you seized the opportunity and as a result of that, you're blessed of God today. Come on, somebody say amen. Glory to God. From the beginning of time, God gave mankind opportunities. He said to Adam and Eve, as long as you obey me, he said, I'm going to give you the opportunity to subdue and rule over the land. Just don't touch the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But they passed up their opportunity to live forever. The Israelites are on the doorstep of the promised land. And God says, here's your opportunity. Go into the promised land and seize the very promises that I made to you long ago. He said, I'm giving you an opportunity to go into the promised land. It flows with milk and honey. Send 12 spies into the promised land so they can see the opportunity. But the 12 spies come back from the promised land. And the Bible says they were stricken with fear and they were paralyzed. And, and instead of going into the promised land, they they wandered for another 40 years in the desert because they missed their opportunity. I don't want you to miss your opportunity today. Some of you are going to walk out from this place and you're going to wander for another 40 years. There's some young people in this room. I'm telling you today, young person, I am stricken with a, a burden for you because some of you in this room, God is going to give you a God-sized opportunity this morning. And some of you will walk away. You will procrastinate. You'll say, not today. I'm too young. I've got a whole lot of living to do. And you're going to turn away from the promise. You're going to turn away from the plan of God in your life. And it will break my heart. It will break God's heart. But more than that, you will miss the opportunity that God has for you. Jesus says to his disciples, come follow me and I'll make you fishes of men. You see, life is all about missed opportunities and taken, seized opportunities. How many people did God call on that day? How many people did Jesus call in his day? Some took the opportunity. Some seized the moment. Paul the apostle seized the moment. Peter seized the moment. John seized the moment. But how many others? There's a young man that Jesus approaches. He's a rich young ruler. And the Bible says that Jesus said, leave everything you have and come follow me. And the Bible says he could not do it because he had much wealth. And now today his wealth has rotted in the ground. You don't know his name. You don't know anything about him other than he didn't seize the moment, the opportunity. He walked away. His name could have been written in one of the gospels he could have been one of the apostles he could have done something great but he turned away because of his riches he was holding on instead of letting go life is filled with opportunities Luke tells us that there was a rich man who in his day he had an opportunity to use his time his talents and his treasures to glorify God but the Bible says that he seized his own greed, seized all of that wealth for himself. And the Bible says he died and he was in hell. And while he was in hell, there's an allegorical parable of him looking over and seeing Abraham over on the other side. It was Abraham's bosom in paradise. And he cried out to Abraham and he said, oh, Abraham, give me another chance. He said, I'm dying in hell. I'm burning in hell. Take your finger and dip it in the water and cool my tongue and Abraham said I cannot pass over from this side to the other side there is a chasm and that chasm is filled with people's missed opportunities they could have done something they could have been somewhere they could have done the will of God but there is a chasm between you and your opportunity that you lost and the rich man said let me go back let me go back to my brothers and Abraham said you had your opportunity it's gone now Life is filled with missed opportunities. People who wish they would have, who wish that they would have listened to God, obeyed the voice of God. Oh, the busy man in Luke, he's a farmer. The Bible says that he was so busy with all the things that he had to accumulate in his life 
that the Bible says that he had a barn and he was so blessed by God that he filled that barn up and he tore that barn up down and he, he built a bigger barn and then a bigger barn and he spent his whole life running after the wind, uh, chasing after material wealth and the Bible says on that night when he said, oh, I can take ease now, I'm going to retire, the Bible says he was stricken with death uh, and he stood before the Lord and God said, you were rich toward yourself but you weren't rich in the opportunities that I gave you and as a result of that you're a fool friends I don't want you dad I don't want you to miss the opportunity to be with your kids to love your kids to pour into their lives life is filled how heartbreaking it is to see older people who say I just wish I just wish I would have seized the opportunity there are men and women in this room that there's regret in your heart because you never seized the opportunity to, to treat your wife like a million dollars and more, to treat her like a princess. And that opportunity is going to fade right, right in front of your eyes and you're going to regret it one day. I talk to so many different people and it's so heartbreaking to see the young man who once had a promising career, but he blew it because instead of taking that career, he took a drink, he took a toke, he shot a needle in his arm, missed opportunities. Now, I want you to know God is a God of a second chance, and I believe with all my heart that God is a God that forgives and a God that has mercy. But I want you to know there's one thing that you can never get back. You can never get back time. Once it's gone, it's gone. You can never retrieve time. There are certain things in life that God gives you one time. One-time opportunity. I think of the ten virgins. The Bible says that five of them were wise. Five understood that they were going to have the opportunity of their life, and they needed to be ready. They needed to be prepared. And the Bible says that they had oil in their lamps, and they were wise virgins because they were ready. They did not fall asleep. But there were five virgins that were foolish. And the Bible says that when the bridegroom came, they jumped up. They had no oil in their lamps. And they said, please, let us go out and get more oil. And the bridegroom says, too late. Your opportunity came, and it's gone. And the Bible says that Jesus will come as a thief in the night. Listen to me, young person. The Bible says when we do not expect it, Jesus will come back as a thief in the night. And some of us will miss that opportunity. The Son of God will come again. And we will miss that opportunity because we were asleep. There are different translations in the Bible or different translations of the Bible. And I want to read some of those translations of that verse. When Jesus says, oh, you missed your opportunity. Notice in the King James, he says, thou knowest not the time of your visitation. The Phillips translation says, you did not know when God himself came. And visited you. Friends, I want you to know God does visit us. And sometimes we're so busy. Sometimes we're so proud. Sometimes we're stuck in, a, in tradition that we can't even see God when he comes. I like the message paraphrase. You didn't recognize and welcome God's personal visit. The NLT says you have rejected the opportunity that God was offering you. The NEB says you did not recognize God's moment when it came. So what causes a person to miss a God-sized opportunity? What causes a person to miss God's voice? What, what, what causes a person to miss when God shows up and visits them? Well, let me give you a couple of things that are going to keep you from a God-sized opportunity. Number one, the first thing, write this down. Fear will keep you from God-sized opportunities. Fear will paralyze you. See, there's always going to be God-sized opportunities. But you know what? God-sized opportunities require faith and courage. So I want to ask you a question. What would you do this morning? What would you do in your life if you weren't afraid? What would you do in your life if you weren't afraid of being rejected? 
What would you do in your life if you weren't afraid of failure, that you were willing to take a chance, that you were willing to trust God? Abraham, he was called by God, and he had to walk one day at a time, one step at a time. He had to obey God, and it was a fearful place that he was. But I want you to know that he trusted the Lord. He believed God, and God turned him from Abram to Abraham. He became the father of many nations. Why? Because he had courage in his heart. I want you to know that fear will paralyze you from the things that God is calling you to do. David had to seize that giant. And friend, I want you to know there's giants in the land, but God is greater than the giants. And if David allowed that fear to seize his heart, he would have never slayed his giant. I want you to know we all have giants in our life, and the only way we will slay our giants is by faith. Let me tell you that courage is not the absence of fear. It is going forward even though you are afraid. Friend, I want you to know today that God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. The people of Israel were stricken with fear, and they didn't go into the promised land. Don't let fear keep you back from what God wants you to do in your life. We all face fear, but we can cry out to God and say, God, help me overcome my fear and give me courage in my life. There's a story in the Bible. One of the saddest stories in the Bible is so ironic. Jesus, he goes over to the other side and he goes to the region they call of the Gadarenes. And the Bible says that, that there was a demon-possessed man in the region of the Gadarenes. And, and the Bible says that he was so violent that they tried to seize him. They tried to hold on to him. They tried to put him in an institution. They tried to keep him from hurting himself. But the Bible says that he had so many demons. This guy was loaded with demons. The Bible says that he would tear the chains. He would break every chain. Not in a good way, but in a bad way. And the Bible says he lived among the cemetery, the dead people. And he would cry out and you would hear him. And, and the people were filled with fear every time they saw the sight of this man because he was so demon-possessed with legions of demons. And the Bible says that Jesus crosses over and he sees this young man. And the demons inside of him say to Jesus, what do you want with us? And the Bible says that Jesus cast out the demons and he cast them into swine. Now, I'm not going to get into a sermon about swine and pigs and, and all of that stuff today because there's a reason why Jesus did that. But here's the sad part of the whole story. The people, when they heard what Jesus did and they saw the man, listen to me, the man now is in his right mind. I mean, the man is looking really good. He had tattered clothes. His hair stuck up. He was filthy, dirty, but now he's in his right mind. He looks just like this guy right here. You're looking good right here. Come here. Come over here. Come over here. Check this guy out, man. Does this guy look sharp or what, man? Woohoo! You. you look like the preacher today. Give this guy a big hand. Come on, somebody. I mean, he was in his right mind. The Bible says he was at peace and he was looking good. He had his Sunday's best on. He never looked so good. He was a violent man. He was a troublemaker. And notice what the people said. Instead of saying, wow, look at what God has done. The Bible says they went to Jesus and they said, Jesus, please leave. Could you imagine that? Jesus cast out the demons. He sets a man free. And they say to Jesus, Jesus, leave. They were afraid. And I think what this town could have experienced, they could have brought their sick, their lame, their dying, their desperate, their needy. They could have lined up. And Jesus was saying, oh, all I want to do is bring peace into your life. And you missed the opportunity. This whole city missed the opportunity that God was giving them. God came and visited their city and they missed it. What a sad story. The second thing that will keep you from experiencing God-sized opportunities is unbelief. Now, friend, the truth is, doubt and unbelief are two different things. You see, everyone doubts. Raise your hands right now if you've ever struggled with doubt before in your life. Yeah, the rest of you are lying. Yeah. We all struggle with doubt. Let me be honest with you. I'm a pastor. I've seen God do great things. But when I visit some places around the world... When I'm standing at the bedside of someone, a little kid, 
who's dying of cancer. I've got to tell you, there are times when the enemy throws a doubtful thought into my mind. And at that moment, I've got a decision to make. Am I going to allow that doubt to overcome what I know is true in the Word of God? What I know God has already done in my life? Am I going to allow that doubt to seize my mind? Or am I going to cast out that doubt and say, yes, I know that God is real. I know that my Redeemer lives. I know that He's a fair God. He's a loving God. He's a just God. And His ways are not my ways. And I'm going to choose to believe God no matter what I see. Why? Because faith is being sure of the things we cannot see. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You see, we wrestle with doubt, but unbelief is different. Unbelief is a position that we take. I will not believe. I will not trust God. I will not believe that God can do it. Friends, be careful that you never get to that place in your life. That you refuse to believe. God can take that little faith that you have. That little seed. Like that man who had struggled with his unbelief. And God can take your little faith that you have and move a mountain. If you bring, you, you bring your faith to God and say, God, I believe, help my unbelief. Don't ever get to that position where you believe in your heart that God cannot do. The things that he said. Jesus goes to his own hometown. Another missed opportunity. He goes to his brothers, his sisters, his aunts and uncles. To some of you it's aunt. And he wants to do great things. And the Bible says he could not do any great things in their hometown. Because of their position of unbelief. They could have brought... They're sick. They could have brought their aunts and uncles that were dying from leprosy and cancer. How many people missed their opportunity? How many people miss the moment of visitation because of unbelief? Oh my goodness. Winston Churchill, Churchill and I, I love Winston Churchill. I mean, you know, he wasn't perfect and he didn't do the right thing all the time. But I love some of his quotes. Let me read one to you. A pessimist sees the difficulty in every opportunity. An optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. Hallelujah. Have you ever met a pessimist before? Don't turn and look at your wife right now, your husband. <laughs> now, now there, listen to me. Look at me. There's nothing wrong with getting all the facts. The Bible says in the counsel of many there is safety. And we need to get our facts. But there's a big difference between getting our facts and being a pessimist. I love my wife and she's not a pessimist. She just likes all the facts. And if you know me a little bit, when I get an idea in my brain, I am OCD. I mean, I'm like, we're going to do this thing. And if I get a, a, a thought in my brain, we're going to do it, I'm going to do it now. So I could be in the car and I go, honey, guess what? We're going to do this. I mean, it's a big thing, and she looks at me like, okay, so how are you going to do this, 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 and this? And I used to think, well, that's pessimism. No, no, that's wisdom. And if my wife wasn't married to me, I'd probably be off doing something really crazy right now. She, she levels me and grounds me. Everybody say, thank God for our wives. <laughs> Just say it like you mean it this time, okay? Just, I mean, listen, be convincing to your wife. You got to go home and live with her after this sermon's over, bro. <laughs> I'm warning you. Hallelujah. But Winston Churchill said that a pessimist sees the difficulty in every opportunity. A pessimist says it cannot be done. An optimist sees every opportunity in every difficulty. Why? Because they know, they believe that God works out all things for our good. And that it just takes the grain of a seed of a faith in our life to move mountains because we believe in a great God. The next thing that will keep you from God-sized opportunities is the saying, we've never done it any different way. We've always done it this way will keep you from a God-sized opportunity. 
Well, we've never done church like this before. How many churches are stuck in the 16th century? They, they, they still actually have, you know, those overhead slides, you know, that they put on the thing. You know? you know, I go to some churches and I honestly believe I'm in Jesus' day. You know what I'm saying? Because this is the way we've always done things. And that mentality in your life will keep you from God-sized opportunities in your life. Why? Because God is about to do something new in your life. Glory to God. God wants to bring change in your life. Everything is changing all around us. The only thing that doesn't change is God and his eternal word. But I want you to know that God wants to do something new in your life. God wants to do something different in your life. And you've got to change seats sometimes. Sometimes you've got to change your perspective. Sometimes you've got to get open to the things of God. And you've got to realize that God is about to do something new, but some of you are so stuck in, we've never done it that way before. And you've become so comfortable in your dysfunction that you can't even realize that you're stuck in a rut. You're stuck in tradition. You're stuck in dysfunction. And the only way that you're going to get out of that is when you say, God, shake my world. And tell me, Lord God, that you're about to do something different in my life. You see, God's going to get some of you out of your comfort zone today. God's going to challenge some of you to, to take a chance. You know, I tell you what. I'm going to try everything I can. I'm going to listen. I'm going to pray. I'm going to fast. I'm going to ask God to give me his voice. I want to hear his voice. But man, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not going to miss the opportunity. To do something great. And if I fail, I'm going to fail forward. If I make a mistake, at least when I get to heaven, God's going to say, boy, I tell you, you missed it a couple of times. But man, you weren't afraid to believe and try. Hallelujah. You weren't afraid to get out of your comfort zone and do something different. You see, so many of us try to put God in a box. Don't put God in a box. God wants to do something new in your life today. God wants to do something different in your life today. God never comes in a prepackaged box. And when you try to put God back in a box, he jumps out of the box. He's not Jack in the box. He's God out of the box. Oh, write that one down. Put that one on Facebook. That was God-inspired. That wasn't even in my notes. Hallelujah. <laughs> I can't even remember to say it again. <laughs> that was so good. I mean, I think of the assemblies of God, the denomination that, that we're a part of, our denomination, the assemblies of God, a Pentecostal denomination. In the early 1900s, the church was in a box. God was not moving. God was not doing the miracles that he wanted to do. The church had put itself in the box. And there was a group of people who read the scriptures and believed that God wanted to do something new. In the last days, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And they read the book of Acts and they believed that God wanted them to experience a, a divine power that comes from heaven. And they began to pray and they began to ask the Lord and the Holy Spirit descended upon them. And they began to speak in tongues and God put it in their heart. God birthed in their heart to be a missionary movement. And today there are 12,000 plus churches in the United States that call themselves assemblies of God and there are thousands, millions of people around the world in Africa, in Asia and all over South America that go to assembly of God churches because there was a group of men and women that were not afraid of change they were not afraid of embracing the word they were not afraid of getting kicked out of their churches they were not afraid of getting kicked out of their societies and their clubs they knew that God was saying something and they were going to hold on to the promise of God they were going to hold on to the future that God had for them and and they were fearless. They believed God with all their heart. And they were not going to put God in a box. And friend, when we start putting God in a box, God moves on and says, I'm going to give another people the opportunity that I was giving you. Don't put God in a box. The next thing that will keep you from experiencing a God-sized opportunity is pride. Pride. You know, as uh, the executive presbyter of the New York region, I have the opportunity to work with 200 churches in this area. And I oversee the presbyters that are over those regions or those sections. 
And I have to fly up to Syracuse often. And so this Tuesday morning, I went to Syracuse. I was there and I came back the same day. And we have to make decisions on people, whether or not they're going to get their credentials. And there are times when people come before us and they've had a difficult life. They've suffered through a, a difficult divorce and biblically they have the right to go into the ministry because they were the ones that were the victims in this divorce. And we have to sit there and we have to deliberate and we have to, we have to pray and we have to listen to the story and we have to listen to their heartbreaking story and we have to listen to the missed opportunities in their life and now God is giving them another opportunity. And there was this older couple, listen to me. For all of you that are older, you know who you are. You're trying to look cool. You're trying to act cool, but you're old. <laughs> the couple came before us, and they were in their late 60s, perhaps early 70s. And the woman, she was glowing head to toe. You could see the glory of God, the presence of God in her life. And she had gone through a very unfortunate, abusive situation in her life. And, and her husband left her. And, and so now she had gotten saved and given her heart to the Lord. And, and uh, she was in this church for many years serving, just faithfully serving, cleaning the church, cleaning the church, just faithfully, whatever God put on her heart. And then um, this man, in about the same age, a little older, he had gone through the same situation and he had just happened to go to that church and give his life to the Lord and they were on the cleaning crew together. Cleaning crew in the church. They were humble enough to clean toilet bowls and they happened to clean, I don't know how this happens, but they happened to be cleaning the same bathroom together. I just wanted to ask, was it a man's bathroom or a woman's bathroom? And they said, please, don't tell anybody that we met in the bathroom. I said, no, 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 no. I think that's your story. Honestly said that in front of all of the other presbyters. I said, no, 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 no. Don't ever be ashamed. Don't ever be embarrassed to tell that story that you met in the bathroom. You know why? Because you see, God, God gave you a donkey principle story. You went and cleaned the toilets and God found you. Come on, somebody. God found you cleaning the toilets. Glory to God. And I want you to know, some people are just too proud to do that kind of work. Some people are too proud to get on the street. Some people are too proud to clean the toilets. Some people are too proud to work with the kids. Some people are too proud to go in the valley, to go where people are, to go where the hungry, the desperate are. But I want you to know that when you humble yourself and you come to the foot of the cross and say, no job is below me. Whatever is for the glory of God, I'm going to do it. God's going to find you and he's going to give you your God-sized opportunity. Why? Because God's always looking for a humble servant. Glory to God. I call it the donkey principle. Saul goes out to look for the donkeys and he finds his will, God's will in his life. Glory to God. And so some of us are just too proud. I, I suppose in this room today as the worship team comes, and keep your eyes on me as they come out, because some of you, when they come out, you're like, listen, they do the same thing every time they play. Stay focused. Here they come. All right, just come. Just go ahead. Just, just look, look at them. Go ahead, go ahead. Just look, look. Okay, keep looking. Keep looking. Good, good, good. Got it? Done? Okay, are we in place now? Okay. Don't move. Just kidding. Don't you love these kids? I love them. This is awesome. Awesome. Listen to me. In a moment, God's going to give you an opportunity. Don't be so proud. To humble yourself before God. Don't be so proud to come to the foot of the cross and say, God, I need you. I desperately need you in my life. I think of the businessman who's going to be just too proud to stand up and turn your life over to God, and you're going to miss your opportunity. I think of the young person who's in the cafe right now. And you don't want your friends to see that God is speaking to you. Listen to me in the balcony. God is speaking to somebody in the balcony right now. And he's giving you a God-sized opportunity. He's telling you, my hand is upon your life. Don't go another way. Don't miss this opportunity.
don't let pride seize your heart right now. But you humbly come before the Lord and say, God, here I am. Use me, God. I'm your donkey, God. You ride me, God. You see, the reason why these people missed their opportunity, listen to me, look at me as I close. And probably the most heartbreaking part of this whole story is they missed their opportunity because they weren't willing to follow Jesus all the way to the cross. The same people that said, Hosanna, save us now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Was the same crowd of people who said, crucify him. And when he's hanging on the cross, the Bible says that not one of them stood with him. He was bleeding. Blood flowing from his head. Blood flowing from his hands. Blood flowing from his feet. And he was hanging on the cross and nobody stood with him. Friends, I want you to know today the only way you're going to find a God-sized opportunity is when you follow Jesus through Jerusalem, through the road of suffering and pain, and you follow him to the cross. See, Jesus said, you want to be my disciple? You want God-sized opportunities? Then you have to be willing to die to yourself. You want to be my disciple? Pick up your cross. Friends, the cross is still a place of death. I said the cross is still a place of death. It's a place in which we say, God, my dreams are not as important as your dreams for me. My life is not as important as your life living in me and through me. My plans, my, my aspirations, they don't come close to your will for my life. Where would we be today? Jesus didn't cry out to the Father. Father, Father, I don't want to go this way. The Bible says he, he sweat drops of blood. Father, if there's any other way, Father, take this cup from me, God. Nevertheless, Father, not my will, but your will be done. And the reason why we're in this room is because Jesus took his opportunity to be the savior of the world now we can't be the savior of the world but I'm thinking all the people that will go behind us all the lives that could have been won I think if I would have left that altar when I was 19 years old and said not your will my will be done father all the lives all the souls all the people that would be lost today I don't understand it that's just the way God planned it. You see, if you want to find God-sized opportunities, you have to be willing to go through the valley of the shadow of death. It's not pleasurable. And some of you are saying this morning, look at me, listen to me. Some of you this morning, you're saying, why God? Why do I have to go through that? God, why do I have to go through this pain in my life? Why do I have to go through this suffering in my life? God, why do I have to go through the fire? God saying because the only way I can use you the only way that you can find your opportunity it's on the other side it's on the other side of the valley it's on the other side of the fire it's on the other side of the trial because see God's got to break us he's got to mold us and shape us so we can be useful in his hands and I'm telling you today that no matter what you're going through God's saying on the other side, there's an opportunity. Trust me. Trust me. Don't walk away. Don't abandon me. Don't cry out, crucify him. Don't walk away, but follow me. Follow me. Follow me through Jerusalem. Follow me through the Garden of Gethsemane. Follow me. Follow me to the cross, the place of death. Because at the place of death, you'll find resurrection life. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm going to get to preach on, on Easter now. Let's just go into the Easter sermon now, right now. Just stay here. We'll do Easter right now. Glory to God. But I think, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I think the greatest enemy, the greatest enemy, listen to me, close your eyes. The greatest enemy of opportunities 
procrastination tomorrow God tomorrow God Thomas Munson said our greatest and most significant opportunities will be found in times of greatest difficulties Thomas Edison said we we often miss opportunities because it's dressed in overalls and it work and it looks like too much work. But I want you to know tomorrow is the greatest enemy of today. Tomorrow is the greatest enemy of today. And procrastination is the graveyard of opportunity. Procrastination is opportunity's greatest assassin. So if you want to seize opportunity, it's today. God said today is the day of salvation. Today is the acceptable time. No excuses. Today is the day of opportunity. And so maybe you're here and you'd say to me, Pastor Steve, with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one moving around, you say, Pastor Steve, I feel like God is speaking me today. I, I feel like God is saying something to me today. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Steve, I'm not sure that if I died today, I'd go to heaven. And I need to get right with God. Don't pass up this opportunity. The Bible says Jesus is going to come like a thief in the night. Before we blink our eyes, he's going to be here. And don't be like the five foolish virgins who missed their moment of God coming into their life. Their God-sized opportunity. You say, Pastor, I'm not sure that if I died today, I'd go to heaven. And I need Jesus to forgive me of my sins. And I'm not going to pass up this opportunity to let God forgive me and wash me clean. I want you to raise your hands right now all over this place. And say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Come on, let me see your hands. Everywhere. In the, in the cafe, in the balcony, let me see your hands today. Say, yes, I need to get right with God today. I'm not sure that if I died today, I'd go to heaven. And I need Jesus to forgive me of my sins. Let me see your hands. Hi. Let me see them high. In the cafe you're sitting in the cafe right now and it's one floor down from this sanctuary and you say you know what I, I don't want anybody to see me make this commitment friends don't let your friends don't let your neighbors don't let your relatives don't let anyone intimidate you from making this God-sized opportunity come to life for you today but you're in the cafe and you say pastor I I'm not sure that if I died today I'd, I'd go to heaven I, I want you today Maybe, maybe this will be the only time I say this, but I feel like God is saying to do this. I want you to get out of your seat in the cafe in a moment, and I want you to come up those stairs. If you keep those stairs from that God-sized opportunity, then you're not willing to pick up your cross and follow Jesus. I want you to get out of your seat and come to this altar right here. Meet me at this altar. If you're watching this via live stream, wherever you are, you might be in Africa right now. You might be in Asia. You might be in another part of this country. I want you to get on your knees right now and I want you to ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sin and don't miss this opportunity for God to write your name in the Lamb's book of life so that you might have eternal life. You may be watching this via a CD that somebody gave you. Whatever it might be, don't miss this opportunity. I want you to all stand to your feet right in this place right now. Please, quickly, stand to your feet. Say, Pastor, I raised my hand or I didn't raise my hand. But today, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to get right with God. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to turn to your neighbor and say, do you know for sure if you die, would you go to heaven? If they say, no, I'm not sure. I, I, want, I, want, I want to personally, I want to pray for you right now. I want you to get out of your seat of procrastination. I want you to get out of your seat of unbelief. I want you to get out of your seat of faith, of fear. And say, I'm by faith coming forward to give my life to God. I want you to, right now, ask your neighbor. And if you raise your hand, listen to me. I want you to get out of your seat and join me right here. If you raise your hand, come on, quickly. I want to pray for you right now. I want to give my life to Jesus. Get out of your seat. So many people raised their hands. Come on, come on, come on, come on. You see, God's about to change people's lives today. I said, God's about to change people's lives today. This is their moment of opportunity. Come on. There were so many hands that were raised. Come on. Get out of your seat. Say yes. I'm not going to be too proud today. 
to give my life to Christ. There were so many people that raised their hands. I'm not going to be too proud to give my life to Christ. I want you in the cafe. I want you to come out. I want you to come to this altar. Others that are here today, I want you to whisper right now to your neighbor and say, if you died today, are you sure? Are you sure that you'd have eternal life? I want you to whisper to your neighbor. And they, if they say, I don't know, say, I'll go with you today. Come on, there's so many more that need to come today. I believe with all my heart, I'll wait. This opportunity might pass you by. So I'm going to wait just a few more minutes and allow you to let God touch you. They're coming from the cafe. Praise God. says that no man comes to the Father but, but through me. Unless the Holy Spirit draws them, they will not come. Is there anyone else that needs to come today to give your life to Jesus? Jesus, Holy Spirit, come today. Maybe you're here today, this morning, and maybe it's not about salvation. Maybe it's not about you getting right with God and having eternal life. Maybe it's an opportunity. God's calling you into the ministry. You feel the tug of God on your life. Listen to me. Look at me. You feel the tug of God on your life today. God wants to use you. And you're torn. It's like you're double-minded. And you don't know what to do. I believe that if you surrender to God, God will show you the next step. You say, I feel like God's calling me to be a missionary. I feel like God's calling me to be a pastor. I feel like God's calling me to be a worship leader. I feel like God's calling me into the ministry, and I don't know where to go. I don't know what's my next step. But I'm going to surrender to God. I'm your donkey, God. I'm your donkey, God. Use me. Ride me, God. I want you to get out of your seat this morning and come up here. I want to pray for you specifically as well. You say, I, I just feel like God wants to do something in my life. I want you to get out of your seat quickly. There's a young man that God is calling you into the ministry. I want you to get out of your seat. You know who it is. I want you to get out of your seat and say, yes, I'm willing to trust you, God. I don't know how, but I'm willing to trust you. I want you to come up. I want to pray for you today. There's a young lady. Listen to me. There's a young lady in this room. You're dating a non-Christian man. And you're just so afraid of rejection that you're going to hold. Listen to me. Listen to me. You're going to hold on to, the, to that which is not for you, not God's will. Because you're so afraid of rejection. But I'm telling you today, if you let go of that situation in your life, the man of God that God called for you is going to come into your life. I want you to get out of your seat today come up here and say God I lay my relationship at the foot of the cross there's somebody here today 
this is prophetic there's somebody here today you're in a marriage and you keep on missing that opportunity to say I'm sorry to get it right and, and, and God is speaking through me today by the Holy Spirit prophetically and saying you're going to miss your opportunity to make it right if you don't humble yourself and you don't go to your wife and say I'm sorry I've blown it I have not treated you right with respect there's an opportunity before you today choose life or death in a moment you need to come and ask God to forgive you for your obstinate proud spirit that has caused your marriage to fail but today God's going to restore it if you humble yourself before the Lord and before your wife say yes we all are going to have God-sized, listen to me, we all are going to have God-sized opportunities before us. Don't miss those opportunities when they come your way. But ask God to soften your heart, to help you to hear when the whisper of the Spirit comes. I want everybody to raise your hands today. Everybody in this place in the balcony. The Holy Spirit is here today. you to pray this prayer with me I want you to say father thank you daddy God your world is filled with supernatural wonderful God inspired opportunities father forgive me for being so proud for being fearful and waiting instead of seizing my God opportunities help me to be filled with your Holy Spirit courageous trusting you step of the way in Jesus name I want to lead don't move I want to lead the rest of you in a prayer of salvation you came forward today maybe you didn't come forward you could still come today if you want if you still need to come forward you can come today they're still coming there's such an anointing in this place such an anointing in this place if you still need to come to give your life to Jesus I'm going to give you one more opportunity if you know that there's still in your heart a doubt in your heart that if you die today you go to heaven you need to come this morning I want to pray for you right now would you all those that responded today to the altar in a moment, we're going to give you some information. In a moment, we're going to give you some information. But I want us to pray all over this place today. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. God, I have missed opportunities. But today, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins wash me clean by your blood Jesus I invite you into my life from this day forward I will serve you one day at a time I receive the free gift of eternal life and I thank you that today I am your son or your daughter. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord right now. Let's just thank him right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's pray. Let's bless the Lord today. Let's praise the Lord today.
Names were written in heaven. I said names were written in heaven. Hallelujah. Now before you go, listen to me, before you go, if you came up here, we want to give you something. Listen, we want to give you a gospel track, we call them. They're little booklets. And one of them says, Steps to Peace with God. I want you to read that. And in the back of that little pamphlet, there's a prayer. I want you to read that prayer. You don't have to say it again because you did it already. But I want you to remember that salvation, eternal life is a free gift. Jesus did it on the cross. That's what we're going to celebrate on Good Friday. He did it on the cross. He finished the work. You just have to receive Christ as your Savior and your Lord. And you have the gift of eternal life. Now listen. We're starting on April the 17th, a foundations class where I personally am going to pour into your life and get you strong in your faith. We want to give you that opportunity to come to that class. So take a moment and somebody's going to give you the information that you need. In the meantime, everyone else in this place, I want you to find, listen to me, 100 people. And I want you to give them a hug. And those that came up here that feel the call of God for ministry, you just stay here. I want to pray for you right now. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you this Good Friday or Easter Sunday. Have a great day. God bless you.